This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. Uh, it's been a while, but it's time to uh, remember this crap with Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Um, not bad. Can't complain. Probably better than Alvin Williams this week. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't. I just can't say. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going Maybe, on. With what Alvin. if he had to resign because he has some affliction that is causing him to have like a a continuous sixty day orgasm? I've heard strange. Might not be things. so bad, right? I can't coach. Right? It's health related. Um, <laughs> Still can't straighten my legs. All right, coach. Floose, Floose is going to take over. It'll be fine. <laughs> Does Floose know yet? Do we know? I, Does I he heard... know why Alan quit? Well, because um, I, I heard that the players had not been, uh, been communicated with as recently as this afternoon. I'm sure by now. I heard that today the Flus went around to every position group meeting room and met individually with every one of the – so he met with every player, and they okay. talked about the Allen Williams situation. Now, what he told them – no, I don't I know. I called him Alvin. Yes. Alvin, Allen, what's the difference? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he wasn't there long enough for me to remember. I know he's been around a while, just like well, that's good because, you know, and, and of course, that that would be in step, in lockstep with an organization that, is, of course, has always been very uh, buttoned down and consistent um, and, you know, clear uh, in their communication and uh, messaging and all of that. So I'm happy to hear that. Well, it was, it was quite a day at Hallis Hall on uh, Wednesday, September 20th. And uh, because remember this crap, when this this remember this crap is actually about uh, remembering uh, great games or at least games between the Bears and this week's opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs, and well, a brief history of the Chiefs therein. But yes, there's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Actually, I don't think Marty. I think Marty might have said that with the Chargers, but still, same guy. Um, we thought we'd start with uh, so yesterday with that. You know, there was the Justin Fields. Um, May or may not have blamed the coaching for all of his struggles. Um, then they had practice. Um, well, we found out first that Alan Williams, who's the defensive coordinator, who hasn't been around for a while, uh, was not going to be around. Um, Which still, we knew he was not, not around. We knew that. Just to recap, I was not at the game. That was a, that was an announcement. It seemed a little off, but we weren't too preoccupied with it at the time. So then the Bears practice, and after the practice, Justin Fields um, called the reporters around in the locker room. To uh, to cast uh, chastise them for taking his words said. out of context, and he was not blaming anything on the coaches. At the same time, on Twitter or X, whatever it's called, news was breaking <laughs> that the FBI was raiding Hallis Hall, and this is the best part: former Bear Charles Peanut Tillman was leading the raid because he's in the FBI, yeah. and. He was making Matt Eberflus cry. This was all stuff that got reported. And there was actual, like, people you've heard of on Twitter retweeting it. And then people like, um, whoever Bill Zimmerman is, 
He is a longtime Bears fan who is like a producer for Sirius XM Sports. Was was tweeting stuff like, "Oh, if you're hearing, uh, if you knew the things, the rumors I was hearing about Al Williams would be very disturbing." <laughs> sure, because those are rumors that alleged hard drive, FBI, and raids. So I don't think anyone really needs to connect dots in this day and age. No, but they were also. Sure. I mean, it's so uh, consistent with the cesspool that Twitter. The even bigger cesspool that Twitter is exactly. now than what it even was before, uh, you know, uh, Electric Carboy bought it. Um, the then the QAnon fringe jumps on and immediately they they raise it to DefCon Five, where it's uh, child trafficking, yep. and you know, oh, it's just it's, you know, it's very disturbing, and there's people like. Yeah, going on Twitter. What the hell is going on with the Bears? Oh my God, it's the worst day in, in Bears history. Blah blah blah. Um, so it seems to have, you know, Alan Williams uh, resigned uh, for personal reasons. Yep. Uh, the Bears put out a statement debunking the fact the FBI didn't raid his house. The FBI never came uh, to Hallis Hall. Peanut Tillman was not uh, peanut punching. That's- Dudes. The most the most disappointing part. Now, they was did not refute the fact that Tina made Matt Eberflus cry. I don't know. It may have still happened. Maybe there was a, a harshly worded a text or phone call. I'm hearing know. that one just now. By the way, that I hadn't heard until yeah. 100 seconds ago, and I'm dying. I, apparently, it was Peanut was breaking the news to Matt about what Alan had done, and that was <laughs> making him cry. It's like for fuck's sakes. Um, picturing Peanut just punching the laptop out of. Absolutely. Whatever <laughs> those right. baseless rumors were. <laughs> so now we don't. You know, like, uh, I was going to say, so we, don't, part, we, don't, I'm sad. we don't know what the personal issues with Alan Williams are. I don't, I frankly, I don't know why we care unless they are something like horribly criminal. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. But but what it got us thinking about was when people were saying this is the worst day in Bear, most embarrassing day in Bears history. Maybe if that stuff had all been true, it might have been. But uh, since. It seems like almost all of it wasn't true, except for the Justin Fields stuff. Um, I mean, these are the Bears we're talking about. This is not even close to the top of the list of embarrassing Bear stuff. So I think you and I no. need to try to remember as much of the embarrassing, humiliating stuff that's happened. And sure. I know you immediately thought of uh, Dave McGinnis finding out that he had been named well, the coach while he was like driving to the airport and had never been offered the job. So that has always been the leader in the clubhouse for me and when these rumors were being whipped up, you know, ginned up and we were all sort of going there so to speak, I was my comment was that that one might have to now take a back seat, which obviously it doesn't. So I don't think we're ranking these and I'd no, like to hear a few explore a few more but order. right but that one has always stood out as just like the most like shaking your damn head, like why do I root for this franchise day? So and we've talked about it here, but that's up there. That's one. See, I immediately thought of two things. One that happened in House Hall, the other that, that didn't. The one that happened in House Hall was during the John Fox era. Uh, I think the Cowboys had had cut Jeremiah Ratliff because of a DWI, and the Bears signed him, and he played pretty well for them. And then all of a sudden. Uh, one day he showed up at Hallis Hall and he was threatening to kill John Fox and several other people uh, affiliated with the Bears and uh, they, he had to be arrested and hauled out of the lobby. So that and one, I, I think, is pretty high. Yeah. And they've done a good job of camping that one down because it must have happened, right? I don't recall that it was obviously an event that day and there's like probably like police are running to Lake Forest, blah, 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 to Hallis Hall, you know, whatever, Badge McCaskey Drive. Um, 
So yeah, it could have gone like Javon Belcher. Was that the guy with the Chiefs yeah. uh, who shot like, himself showed killed up? Somebody, and, killed his girlfriend or whatever, and then drove to Arrowhead yeah, and that shot was himself horrifying. in the parking lot. So that, that's pretty. That's pretty uh, eventful for sure. Yeah. Up there, up there at Hale. So yep. The other one I thought of that didn't happen in the facility uh, happened during a blizzard when a former bear. It was current bear at the time. Uh, Alonzo Spellman, who had checked himself yeah. into a the, um, for lack of a better word, the psych ward of a local hospital, uh, escaped in the middle of a blizzard barefoot. Correct. Uh, a spring blizzard, I should add. It was in March. I was actually right. in Mesa for the first time and watching WGN in our hotel room uh, from from Arizona. Uh, you're right. Not in Hallis Hall, but close enough because it was way up north. Because you know a lot of they all a lot of players live up there. Hallis Hall is in Lake County, so let's just say they're north of Lake Cook Road, uh, just a few miles west of Hallis Hall. That was definitely that same type of thing. Another thing that happened north of Lake Cook Road, but not at Hallis Hall would be the uh, FBI gun range mm-hmm. incident um, that resulted in a couple of bears uh, smashing each other in the face with dumbbells, I yes. believe, or other weight equipment. Yeah, that was something uh, to that effect. Uh, long before Olin Crute shoved Adam Hogue into a locker at Chuggo, he punched, he broke Fred Miller's jaw at a happy, like, offensive line bonding event. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other kind? <laughs> Yeah, there was that. Um, that was not a good bear scene, by the way. Yeah. But yeah, that. Um, um, when was the did the Tank Johnson thing happen during the Super Bowl year? Uh, like yes, arrested and it was guns. It was. It was, after, and it was very. Fr- it was very frustrating because they could have used a focused Tank Johnson as Tommy was breaking down. And there are two incidences. One again was pretty sure it's Tank's home. Which, like I said, a lot of players will live near Hallis Hall because it's convenient because that's where they work five days of the week. So you don't need to live downtown because we all know how hard it is to get the Soldier Field. Um, anyway, so, uh, but up there in Libertyville or whatever by his home, Tank got, but not far from Hallis Hall, Tank got busted uh, with a whole cache of guns. But then also, like a week later, after he was out on bail or whatever, he got arrested in the city in, uh, outside of a River North uh, nightclub. So that one actually did kind of go south of the border i guess into, into the city but it was still kind of felt like something that happened up there you know alice alice hall up there uh, near lake forest area so not technically it's still i think it fits the criteria what we're discussing here you know um, we didn't mention uh sam hurd right. proud alum of niu yep. as we are it's an, yeah, an, he, another. an entrepreneur a successful entrepreneur who had his um had his business uh, interrupted by the feds. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess the qualifiers at Hallis Hall, it's basically things that happen not on the field that have to be dealt with out of Hallis Hall. Yeah. <laughs> and they usually happen up there. But like Sam, of course, was the, in doing an international drug ring. That was not relegated to Lake County. But news breaks, and then here comes the crack team of PR professionals uh, that may or may not have the last name of McCaskey to the rescue. I mean, perhaps he studied international business at the Barcelona School of Business at Northern <laughs> Illinois University. It's possible. And he was just you never know putting his learning to, to use. Um, yes, yes. We, had, we had that. I, uh, the thing, I, one of my favorite things about Tank Johnson was uh, on that Super Bowl season, Tank had to wear his full name on his jersey because the Bears had a safety named Todd Johnson, and he, mm-hmm. there's, that's the only way you could tell the two apart. <laughs> They're identical. <laughs> 
It's like and if you don't if you don't know what we're saying, folks, <laughs> just Google Tank Johnson, Todd Johnson, Johnson. two thousand six yeah. Bears. It's, it's basically just like uh, Vance and Rudy Law being twins. It's I never understand why teams put like first initials or full names with the last name. You you're wearing a number. That's how you could differentiate right. the two. Like you can have Johnson number ninety nine and Johnson number thirty two. And you probably could figure out which one's which without Todd or Tank. And the fact Good that he point. had Tank on his, not his actual name, he said Tank. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so we had those. Um, our good friend John Greenberg pointed out some that were uh, embarrassing, but maybe not. They don't rise to the criminal level of some of these. There was, I guess his title under Trustman, Cromer was, Aaron Cromer was offensive coordinator, I think, even though. It was Trustman's offense. Okay. He's got to have the title. <clears throat> he had uh, he had badmouthed Jay, and it got out. And he had to call mm-hmm. a press conference and basically apologize for saying bad things about his quarterback. Um, he, John also pointed out. Remember the time that Trustman benched Jay uh, so he could get a good look at uh, Jimmy Clausen, and then didn't Jimmy like get immediately hurt? And he was only in for like a. Position. I do remember. I remember the second part of that. And there's Jay Jimmy. back out there again. And if you think he didn't yeah. give a shit before, wait till you see him come off the bench. Yeah. I'm also reminded of the awkward transfer of power from when Michael was basically publicly reprimanded by his mom and was cast out in favor of Ted Phillips. And that was kind of when George moved. That was after the Dave McGinnis fan. I remember driving around listening to that one from Alice Hall. How, how about the time George got his potty mouth out and said that his mom was pissed. Was a, I mean, for George, he's probably still embarrassed that he used such vulgar language. Uh, there's one that's a lot less known, but back uh, back in the day, uh, Clyde Turner had to apologize publicly. Uh, he had he apologized to Coach Hallis, but uh, it was uh, for he stared at Virginia's ankles for an inappropriate amount of time. You know, it was a long Pullman car ride. To, uh, to the game in D.C. And, you know, <laughs> Bulldog had had a couple. And... <laughs> we talked about on the on the football pocket. We were, somehow we got to talk about retired numbers. And uh, um, I was I reading. Heard, th- by the way. I was reading saying, through he, them. You keep saying, I, I wanted to correct you. I, I know. I don't know why I, I think they retired no, number five for two people. I always do. No, it's not. It's number seven. It's Hallis and Bob Avellini. No, yeah. That's right. Five is, That's yeah, right. No, I was, I was screaming while I was cutting I the grass. I'm like, it's George McAfee. George McAfee. George McAfee I don't know why I always, I always get that wrong. Um, yeah, there's no Greg Maddox, Fergie Jenkins. But I did tell one of, my, one of my favorite things about Virginia was the fact that they did, NFL Films did this thing on the history of the Bears, and she talked about Bulldog, and she kept calling him Clyde. And it was adorable. It's great. Like the only it's person great. in the world who called him Clyde was Virginia. His, <laughs> she's like, his mama named him Clyde. I'm going to call him Clyde. That's exactly That's what she right. said. Quote, unquote. <laughs> That's how Badge laid it down. Um. I don't know. I feel like we're, I know we're missing some. I mean, there's, I don't know. There's things like that. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, we thought it was cool at the time, but like Jim McMahon moon in a helicopter at the Super Bowl might be on the list of embarrassing yeah. things. I and mean, we loved it. Fa- the fans ate yeah. it, but the organization I'd probably that, not real fun of the quarterback yeah. sh- literally showing his ass. Right. Because I mean, they were already on their way to ushering out the honey bears in that season. So, who was the guy? You know. Who was the, the guy, the New Orleans sportscaster? Buddy. Buddy DiLiberto, yeah. who later on would, would host a show with Saints coach Mike Ditka uh, years later. 
on a riverboat down yeah, he, there. During yeah, Super Bowl week, yeah. he said that Jim McMahon called all the women of New Orleans sluts, right? Wasn't that yes. what he said? Slut whores, I think, was yeah. the word he used. Yeah. Buddy DiLiberto, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Anyway. Good stuff. Um, I know there's more. There's people screaming at their right. What's up with the or dashboards or wherever, and we can't. I mean, remember a lot of them. Mm. Yeah, so sure. It, it really depends on what your what your definition of humiliation is, because if you, if your bar is just a little bit lower, then there's just there's an endless amount right. of stuff. With the well, bars. I mean, look, we were Cub fans our whole lives prior to 2012, so this is starting to rank. Over time, it's rank, all right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Bernard Diliberto passed away at the age of 74, way back in 2005. So, oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I did remember that crap. Remembered his name. He'd be happy to know if he was alive that I could still pull that one out 18 years uh, after he was gone. But yeah. this would have been a good uh, pod to have um, Pat Bukowski on. Yeah, I'm sure Pat. Or, Pat probably knows stuff, you know, from being in the locker room that uh, we don't, sure. we have never even heard about. I can just imagine the yarns. So, Go down to a Fat Sam's. And he's having trivia. Is Fat Sam's? It's not open anymore. But if it was, Pat would be having trivia night there, and you could win valuable prizes like a like a 10 percent coupon at Lansing Floral. You'd think since uh, since the grabber has shuffled off that. That maybe, you know, Pat would be getting maybe a few more contacts to fill the void there. But, well, I'll tell you, you know. if I if I ran the score, that's the first call I make when Yeah. When the grabber left this earthly coil. Yeah. Pat Bogowski. Who else could replace probably, him? Probably Yeah. As the score's on nobody really can. They'd all go crazy. Pat could probably do it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, well, uh, Bears and the Chiefs have have not played as many times as you might have thought. They first met in 1973, and this matchup on Sunday will only be the 14th time that these franchises uh, have faced each other. Of course, the Chiefs go back to... They are a charter member, right? Yes, they would be because they were originally the Dallas Texans, yes. charter member of the American Football League. So they go all the way back to 60. And good old Dewey Lamar Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's probably not Dewey, but, you know, Lamar Hunt. Um, moved them to fabulous Kansas City. He did. And, and he built... Um, I wonder, have they played in Arrowhead the whole time? Is that their only? I, for a long time. Arrowhead and Kaufman have both been around compared to today's stadiums a long time. And that's a good question. That is a great question. They must have played some, some rinky-dink place. Obviously, they would have played in some rinky-dink place in the early days of the AFL. I guarantee you. That's where they play. How about this? Their first ever matchup. Chiefs-Bears. Monday 34. night, 
November 12th. Uh, I'm, so I'm just going to assume it went horribly for the Bears then. At Arrowhead and Stadium. Do you know the coaching matchup? Uh, Abe Gibran yep. would be for the Bears. Hank Stram still uh, trolling the sidelines? Hank yeah. Stram and Abe Gibran. And, uh, nice. Hank, nice. Gave, Hank let uh, Abe wear his toupee for the whole second half. That's what kind of guy Hank was. It was a barn burner. It was... Is that right? Uh, let's just say the first four scores of the game were all Jan Stenerud field goals. <laughs> 12 to nothing at halftime. Jan had made a 47, a 17, a 43, and a 42-yarder. So here's what I'm curious about, though, first of all, because like we mentioned it before we come back, I'm going to come back to this game. But I was just thinking, Chiefs, yeah, the charter franchise, Lamar Hunt gets all this credibility, you know, credit, he's sort of like the George House, the AFL, they, they get the trophy. The Chiefs were never really in that picture until the late, until the leagues merged. So I'm guessing the Chiefs were probably pretty good because they had been to one of the, they were Super Bowl four and they won it. Um, but yeah, so by the time the Bears, well, we know by in, 74. They played in Super Bowl one. And that's right. You're and Lamar right. named right. the Super Bowl. Right, off the super right. We talked about why too. It's kind of a dumb reason, isn't it's it? Terrible, how it's, it's a just... terrible reason. His idiot kids, who own the team now, were uh, out in the on the driveway playing with a Super Bowl. Those little like that, basically the springy ass racquetball sized yeah. ball that was in the seven sixties. When was the first Super Bowl? Get him out, get as him much fun machines. as you could ever have was that yeah. apparently. Uh, and so, yeah, they played in two of the first four. They won one, although, as I like to point out, they didn't win their first NFL championship till uh, four years ago because they were only AFL champs when they won that Super Bowl uh, because the leagues had merged. So by 74, I'm guessing the Chiefs were probably, I think, because when we were kids, they sucked. Uh, but I, I feel like that would be a real David and Goliath because the Bears, we know, by 74 were absolutely – I mean, we might be competing for that Nader now, but that's definitely one of their Nader's seventy-four, and they're and they're on Monday Night Football. So I just got to feel feel like a real lamb is being led to slaughter at this game. But you know, luckily they're holding them, and only Jan Stenerud's putting the points on the board. So that seems promising. I'm still going to guess the Bears that don't win this game. The um, the Chiefs moved into Arrowhead in 1972. Prior to that, they played at beautiful. Municipal Stadium, which was originally built for the Kansas City Monarchs of the Negro League. Ooh, old Negro League. Yes. Um, Interesting. And probably where the Kansas City A's played, I'm sure. So Lamar founded the Texans, um, and the Cowboys were already a thing in Dallas. So after also a, an a year or two, he's like, oh, this is stupid. Well, it's an expansion. It's an expansion. I think you unearthed this uh, on a previous episode because uh, the NFL moved up Dallas or something like that. I think to, to head off the AFL, like they rushed the Dallas. The Cowboys, I think, came in uh, like in '61 or '62. Yeah, I remember something. Yeah, so I think Lamar Hunt's in Dallas, and the NFL's like, "Fuck you, we're going to put this team here." And then he's maybe I, I might yeah, that might be a little bit off, but. They both arrived in Dallas around the same time, and Lamar got the hell out pretty so, quick. So Lamar decided to get out um, after the 62 season, and he considered the following places to move his uh, franchise. Atlanta, Miami, 
New Orleans, and Seattle. Yeah, you know, future, and future his, franchises. Which of those do you think was his prime, his, his first, the team that he want? where, where do you want to go? New Orleans? New Orleans, but uh, he couldn't work out a lease at Tulane Stadium. They wow. didn't want a professional okay. football team in New Orleans to compete with the, with Tulane, and they didn't get one until right. like the nineties. <laughs> right, because even though the Saints were there, <laughs> the Saints did not even resemble a, a professional franchise for the first two decades of their existence. Good call. So this is Hunt was persuaded by Kansas City Mayor H. Rowe Bartle to move Texans to Kansas City after agreeing to expand Municipal Stadium to seat forty nine thousand fans. And that's before the Royals, too. Royals didn't come around until 69, so a little bit about it. Yeah, so while playing Municipal Stadium, the Chiefs shared the stadium with the A's, and in 1969, with the Royals. There were the A's. Yeah, okay. That's right. The A's were there. There was a Major League Baseball team that helped anchor it. There's a picture. It was kind of a cool-looking stadium. I'm sure it was a dump. but Well, for its time, it was probably like the gem, because the Monarchs were kind of considered, I think, the premier Negro League team. I feel like wouldn't surprise me if they're uh, – ballpark was pretty exceptional um oh yeah they were the Texans. the texans for three years yeah and they won and they actually won the championship i see now in the third year and and i didn't know that hank strand was actually their charter coach too so he was there from the beginning oh i'm looking at it now and yeah he was there a long time he's getting pretty old that was his last season 74 and, uh, yeah, they were always pretty good then, I guess. I just always thought more of, like, the uh, the Raiders and Jets and Dolphins. But Dolphins came later. But So what was the final score of that Bears-Chiefs tilt in 74, Andy? 19-7. to oh. Both teams scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, Carl Garrett on a nine-yard rush for the Bears. Yeah. The extra point was kicked by... Uh, not Bob Thomas. It would have been Ken Granberry. No, who? No, here's a running back. Uh, who? Miro Roder. Oh, yeah. So Bob Thomas, so that really was uh, a nadir for the Bears, I'm going to say, because by the time they would play next, which I know was in 77, that's a game that I kind of, we can talk about. A little bit iconic for older Bears fans. Uh, but the Bears were so awful in 74, they'd moved to this antiseptic, terrible stadium that they hadn't even closed off that one end zone, uh, horrible turf, terrible team. But that was when they made the one decision that uh, that sort of saved them for a bit, and that was when Muggs or whatever, whoever was really in charge, brought in Jim Finks. And so the very next year they draft Walter Payton. They, you know, they bring in Bob Thomas, Bob Avellini. They uh, just uh, they turned things around. They made the playoffs well, they were to make the playoffs in 77, but not before a pretty epic regular season game with the Chiefs, which I'm going to just first say, if you can visualize this, Andy, I'm sure you can. Any Bears fan of any age that's watched any NFL films on Walter Payton will recall uh, footage of where he basically runs north and south. He's he, he probably runs about 100 yards on the play, avoids about 30 tackles, breaks a few, and scores against the Chiefs that's at Soldier Field. And it's this wild-ass game. And the Bears eat squeaked into the playoffs. This is before our time, but like I, I would hear my brothers talk about it in this game in particular. Greg Ladd, I had like the winning touchdown, 88, the tight end. Uh, but I just know they were down big, and, um, and they just came all the way back. And, of course, they would prove to need it because they would break what, to this day, believe it or not, is still the longest drought 
postseason drought in this proud franchise's history at that point, snapping a streak of 14 years. So, yeah, that's the first time the Chiefs come to Chicago, uh, Chicago too. Um, I don't know. Walter didn't have that good a game. 33 attempts for just 192 yards and three touchdowns. That's it? Yep, the, they held him to it. Ed Podolak ran for 102 yards. Uh, for the Chiefs, and he had run for 132 yards against them in the first game. So the first two games in this this proud history, Ed Podolak ran for 100 yards against the Bears. At one point, this Ed Podolak was the all-time leading rusher in the Bears-Chiefs uh, rivalry. Hmm. Although, I, oh, absolutely. yeah, Peyton would just need another game to take him down, I'm guessing. Yeah, the Chiefs got out to, well, I mean, you may have said this, but I was looking at stats. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Chiefs were up 17 no, uh, nothing at the half. Did you say that? Yeah. No, you didn't. No, I just, I, didn't, I hadn't looked at it. I knew it was a huge comeback. Yeah. The Bears were down. Uh, uh, let's see, the Bears took their first lead at, at no, they didn't. They uh, were down 17 nothing at the half. They got 17-7. Then they, Peyton scored again to cut it to three, but then Stenner kicked a field goal. And then Walter gave the Bears the lead in the fourth quarter on a 15-yard touchdown run. Bob Thomas made the extra point. That a boy, Bob. Oof, always, always that's a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. But then the great Ed Podolak took the lead right back for the Chiefs. And the Bears won on a 37-yard pass from Bob Evelini yes. to Greg Latta. Yes. And Bob well, Thomas that... had to make the extra yes. point to win it, and he did. Uh-huh. According to this, the Bears were six-and-a-half-point favorites. I love this. In fact that wow. reference they, can find a Vegas line. Well, all you need to all you need to do is get like a microfiche of that day's newspaper because right the latest line was always in the, in the oh, sports page. Or they just called, just went to the Jimmy the Greek estate and went through his file cabinet. Sure, he's got it all digitized. So yeah, that's a pretty epic game. Like I said, you'll see Peyton uh, break off this crazy play at this peak. I mean, well, seventy seven was Peyton. Uh, that was he was an MVP that year. He rushed for eighteen hundred yards. Uh, and by the end of the season, everyone knew who, who he was. Of course, after this game, the Bears were only four and five. So it was one of these high wire acts. And it was really kind of an interesting thing. If you're a Bears, if you could think about the Bears historically, as sad as they've been since 85, um, they were like, they never, they were uninterrupted in their success from 1920 on. You know, all those championships, even when they didn't go, they're all, you know, very rarely would they have, say, three consecutive seasons of you know, not contending. And so all of a sudden after the championship in 63, it's a, they enter their first dark age. So it was a, un, unprecedented. And then 77 doesn't start out too promising. Um, and But eventually they would get it right and squeak into the playoffs and they get summarily drummed out by the eventual champ uh, uh, Cowboys. But and there it is. They give to Peyton on a sweep to the right side. It's he gets Joe a block and Ravy. Sorry, spins back inside. Ripped by one man, still on his feet. Struggles away at the 20. That's Joe McConnell, by the way. the high quality audio YouTube's got on that. No, that's good stuff. And I love the radio. I love that you got the radio call. That's Joe McConnell, by the way, who was the preceded Wayne Larvey. It might have been Brad Palmer. I don't know as far back in 77 doing the color. Um, but, yeah, like that play right there, imagine you're a Bears fan and, like, you've endured for the first time this embarrassing stretch of uh, irrelevance and futility, and you've got this great goddamn running back, um, and then you're 3-5 and five going against this uh, you know, old AFL team, ball behind, and Peyton pulls off that play. Uh, it propelled them, like I said. It would, you know, Peyton was still on the team in 85, and 
but the 77 team wouldn't really go anywhere. But, uh, you know, any fans alive now, uh, even old-timers, like they were kids when they would remember that season fondly in that particular Bears-Chiefs game, I hope I did it justice because it's not one that I, you know, personally lived through. But it's there. So they would have met the next time in 1980. But because one or the other team sucked and finished fifth, they didn't face Cancel. each other. And then they, and I thought you were going to say they just canceled the season no. early. They didn't. We're not playing Bears no. Chiefs. Nobody cares. Or, or it's that. Or actually, they may have shifted it because the the league went to a sixteen game schedule. What, what was the next year? Did they play in eighty one? Was that yes. what it was? And it, That's back what in it was. Head. So when they shifted to a sixteen game schedule in seventy eight, then they redid the every whatever so i guess they would have they didn't play in 78 but they played in 81 then is that or maybe they were both playing a fifth place schedule in 77 and that's why they faced each other they otherwise would have faced each other in 78 that's my guess anyway so they, 81 yeah, they played november 8th 1981 they, at arrowhead uh, with a young joe delaney the two and six bears against the six and three chiefs and the bears he should be some the bears won and this, all the stars played for the Bears. Ricky Watts got a 12-yard touchdown pass from Vince Evans. John Ravetto made three the, uh, goals and an extra this, one. A reminder, fan, uh, uh, friends, that this is the brief interlude between Bob Thomas 1 and Bob Thomas 2. And it made people appreciate Bob Thomas. Bob Thomas. <laughs> John Ravetto sucked. Kind of the Carlos Huerta of his time. Good call. Uh, who was playing quarterback for the Chiefs in 1981? Was it future Bear Steve Fuller? Future Bear Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl shuffler. Playoff got road someone. playoff victor. Yeah, it's one of the Steve very Fuller. few. One of, oh, that's a good call. It's just um, him and there. All, Kramer? Um, yeah, no, no Steve, it's Steve Walsh. Walsh. That's right. Yeah. Started, a bear, regular Bear starting quarterback has never won a road playoff game. Correct. They've both been backups wearing number four. Also, in the, not in a... The, uh, since the merger. Right. Oh, I mean, true. Sid, I'm sure. <laughs> Sid won some I don't know who's backing up. He uh, did. Since Color TV. Griffith Stadium. It's, it's yes. just good. It's, you, you have to be a backup wearing number four. Uh, Tyson Bajant should walk in and ask request a number change today. It's a no-brainer. Um also, not a not a Bears connection, but a Chicago connection, because I believe the coach patrolling the sideline opposite Neil Armstrong was Chicago very own's Marv Levy. Wouldn't it have been great be if it? they had uh, let? Um, um, I was going to say Gus Grissom. Um, Gus, but that would the, be, Gus Grimm. Gus was dead. Um, no, it'd be funny if they had a different astronaut, Jim Lovell, or somebody come in to coach against Neil Armstrong oh. in the game. I didn't say these jokes were it's, good, gang. Instead, this, they got Marv Levy, who, who may have gotten an A in physics at uh, whatever Chicago high school he went to. Did he call any of the uh, officials an officious jerk during the game? No, but I've used I've used officious in my time, even sometimes berating my own umpires, as you know I want to do. Uh, thanks to you over-officious jerk. Marv, not that successful with the Chiefs. Neither was Steve Fuller. Oh, uh, and they weren't successful that day. I didn't even notice this. Yeah, it was Marv against the, a, the, the John Rovetto game winner in overtime. Yeah, and I think he did the same thing against the uh, the, the the Chargers. He didn't make many. He made him. He made him count. 
I want to say John Rivetto also beat the chart, which is very unlikely that this lousy – the Bears in 81, by the way, were very bad. Another low point. seems like every time the Bears uh, – 77 – these are Neil Armstrong's last day. This is actually – Bears Chiefs 81 is the antecedent of the only um, good period that would was about to occur for the Bears when they – Jettisoned Armstrong and brought in Ditka. It was some of it was already in play because they had guys like you know Singletary was a rookie, they had Hampton, they had Peyton. Um, but yeah, another another sort of low point like in '74 when the Bears uh, face with face with uh, face off with the uh, the Chiefs. This is funny. I I don't know why I'm obsessed with John Rivetto. I remembered him like shanking extra points for his career as a Bear though. Never did. Twenty nine of thirty. He made. 96.7% of extra points. Field goals, though, remember um, Wayne? we made fun of Wayne Weaver and his terrible uh, field goal percentage. Because he kicked for the Lions like in the 60s or something. So yeah. John Rivetto kicking in the 80s, a modern NFL kicker for his career with the Bears was 14 of 31 field goals. 45%. Wow. He missed and 17 yeah. field goals in parts of two seasons. And yet, he kicked two game winners yeah. in three weeks. One of them, again, which is like, I remember watching this. So, yeah, I wasn't crazy about Rivetto, but I do remember that he won two games. The one against the Chiefs, fine, because the Chiefs, well, I don't know how good they were at that point. But the Chargers were an absolute juggernaut. So that's just one of those weird-ass games that the Bears had no business winning in the first place because, you know, fucking they, – they, and we talked also, Andy, the Chiefs game was – were they both at Soldier Field? I think the Chiefs game was in Kansas City. I know the Chargers game yeah, was at right. Soldier Field. I know the Chargers game was at Soldier Field because you and I talked about when the Bears were on NBC. It was it was always a, a different kind of a look. It was kind of I can't even put my oh, finger on it. It's like Don Cricky is in town, and uh, here's Dan Fouts. It was very exciting and uh, very. And we know, I know we're not doing Bears Chargers, but we will. So we yep. should probably shut we up will. and cover it later. But uh, yeah, so we'll talk about. I got a good later, twenty minutes we'll on Ralph Benerska. Uh, yeah. Shitting into a colostomy bag, hosting Wheel of Fortune. Where do you get so, that? And I should also, I, I also uh, wanted to be mentioned that this is the one time the Bears faced uh, Joe Delaney, who was a good running back, uh, but would perish. Not, not a strong swimmer. <laughs> not a strong swimmer. Very good running back. <laughs> not a strong swimmer. So it was like a matchup where we had the uh, the Regal, the premier running back in the world, even though our teams weren't that good. Wasn't so Joe we, Delaney? Wasn't he name dropped by Walter Payton after he broke Jim Brown's running record? In Was the, he in the? In my mind, I picture. I know he talked about Joe Delaney. He talked about like great running backs who didn't. You know, he basically talking about how fortunate he was to have the career he had and whatever. And he talked about wonder, great running okay. backs that never had a chance. And he mentions Joe Delaney oh, by then, name. Then absolutely, Delaney was pretty. I mean, I don't. I just look. He was in the AFC, and we were familiar with him. So. Um, um, yeah, I think for a couple of years, I I don't uh, try to pull him up. Actually, he, he seemed like he was a, he was a pretty uh, household name early in, on in his career. He had a short career because he died pretty early, but you know, I like yeah, kind of made an impact. He go ahead. He only played eighty one, and then the strike short in season eighty two. Two seasons, so he's just a rookie. In, uh, what did he do that rookie year? That eighty one rookie year ran for eleven hundred yards. Uh, three touchdowns. Okay. Had the longest rush in the league at 82 yards that year. Um, okay. Averaged four, almost five yards per carry. The next year in the strike year, he played 
played all eight games um, in 380 okay. games. So, yeah, he so only played. That. He only carried the ball 329 times in the NFL, 1,500 yards. Yeah. Three touchdowns. So not that great, but, like, a good, a definite good rookie season. Whatever. I mean, it doesn't make it any less sad. If it, um, yeah, I'm cut down uh, pretty early. The Chiefs in 81 were uh, actually a decent team, but they, they weren't really a team you thought of when you thought of uh, – AFC teams in that era in 81. So by 84, they must have bottomed out because they were probably playing that fifth-place schedule because I know the Bears did not play the Chiefs in 84. No, they did not. They did not play again until... I remember this game in 87. The other strike season, 1987. Yeah, this this is another... Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to pull it up myself, but I I feel like this is another game where the Bears had to come back and but what's different is this is after the Super Bowl with a really good team, and I feel like the Bears did this a lot after the Super Bowl would be like just toy with teams, because like you know the Bears had a ridiculous record. They, they went fifteen and one, then fourteen and two, then uh, fourteen and three, or, or like whatever, like twelve, eleven and whatever. They were losing only two or three games a year, and a lot of times they would like be behind with their shitty quarterbacks to mediocre teams. And it'd be low-scoring games. They'd be trailing and looking incompetent, and then they would just somehow pull it out. So they, how'd that work out? This seven? one, they were trailing 28-14 in the third quarter and scored the final yeah. 17 points. They did not, however, yeah. have one of their shitty quarterbacks playing. This was Oh, a, it was, it was, was Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mann was 23 of 34 for 287 yards and three touchdowns. Nice. Walter right. though only carried the ball eight times for fifteen yards. I mean, this was his final it, season. It was, uh, it was his final season. Yeah, Neil, they loaded up. Neil Anderson, seventeen carries for fifty-nine yards. So they okay. weren't running much because probably because they were so far behind, they were chucking. And when you have, um, listen to this assortment of incredible weapons that they had to throw to. Um, Did they not even have Willie anymore? Willie Gold, so Willie, Willie, four, four catches, ninety-eight yards, two touchdowns. Cap Bozo caught four passes for fifty-one yards and a touchdown. Dennis Pinky. Pinky, two for 24. Of course. Silky D, one for 12. And Emery Moorhead, one for five. That's it. Those are the. Well, well actually, no. I should. Uh, Walter well, caught five for 31, and Neil caught six for 66. So throwing to the yeah. backs a lot. Spreading it around. Luke Getze would approve of the game plan. Oh, God. Yes. Uh, and I think the Chiefs in 87, well, they couldn't have been that awful because, again, we were, st- we're still operating on. Um, if you were really bad, you had to play a fifth place schedule. But anyway, the, you know, I feel like this was really kind of a real uh, nothing era for the Chiefs until Marty Schottenheimer shows up. The, is there anything else you need? The quarterback. Need to add with anything. Quarterback for the Chiefs was the great Bill Kenny. Not Kenny. Uh-huh. Kenny. Uh Where was Bill I remember. From? I remember he one of the he, Iowa yeah, he, no, he, Arizona he was, State and Northern Colorado. I didn't know his college. I remember Kenny is kind of dueling it out with both Steve Fuller how about, and uh, how about this? In 1983, Bill Kenny, playing all 16 games for the Chiefs, did something no Bear quarterback has ever done. He threw for 4,000 yards. He threw for almost 4,400 yards in 1983. He led the league wow. in completions and attempts, fourth 43 and 48 yards through 24 touchdowns through 18 interceptions. Um, made the Pro Bowl. He was their quarterback wow. for, well, the primary quarterback, one, two, three, four, five. Until 90. For five seasons of his, of his yeah. uh, however many year career this is. Okay, nine. okay. Bill the Kenny, team's uh, old number nine. I, I actually remembered what I number he was. 
Yeah, no, I remember. I remember Bill Kenny, and I should. I, I would. The, ne- I would never have guessed that he had a forty-four hundred yard passing season, no. though. The running back for uh, those Chiefs. And it, oh, I know. Can I guess? Yes. Christian McCoy yes. was he a rookie? The, the Nigerian nightmare. Um, remember they drafted ninety-three. Paul, they drafted Paul Palmer and Christian McCoy. While Paul Palmer had more. Like, Okoye kind of came on late uh, in scout size, but Palmer was like a supposed Heisman candidate out of Temple. Uh, and the Chiefs drafted him and Okoye, and Okoye, Okoye had a pretty nice career, right? He probably ended up rushing for 5,000 to 10,000 yeah, yards, maybe. 48-97. His big uh, okay. year was 1989. He led the NFL with 1,480 yards. Um, he was a bruiser, so. He only rushed for 1,000 yards twice, 91 and 89. Okay. I overrated him a little bit. But he was. He's better uh, than Paul Palmer, though. He, but, in uh, 1989, he was a uh, he was a Pro Bowler. He was um, came in fourth in Offensive Player of the Year voting, and uh, was first team Associated Press. Let's see, Offensive Player of the Year of the here are the three players. All I believe all of them Hall of Famers. Uh, the three players who got more votes for Offensive Player of the Year than Christian Okoye. Yeah, Christian Okoye. Those are uh, Joe Montana, uh-huh. Hall of Famer. First ballot, Jerry Rice, first ballot Hall of Famer, and he Don hates. Makowski, also first ballot Hall of Famer. Jesus, from the Packers, fucking Christ, you gotta be kidding! Don me. Makowski threw for four thousand three hundred eighteen yards a year. Yeah, and twelve that shouldn't have counted. Um, I thought that Marty Schottenheimer arrived in Kansas City in nineteen ninety, but I see that he was there in eighty nine. Frank Gans. God. Yeah, he was a special teams coach. He got promoted after future Illinois coach John Makovic mm. got fired. I want I want to say. Um, and I remember it was weird. Like special teams coaches don't get promoted to head. Of course, Mike Ditka, of course, was the most popular coach in America by then. But yeah, but like Gans got promoted, and then Makovic would resurface and actually got to be considered one of the more successful Illinois coaches, I would have to say, sadly enough, even though he was only there yeah. for like three years. Yeah, I mean, he brought Jeff George he over. As good as, um, he's like like Mike White, except without getting your team put on probation. Right, without all the tarnish. Yeah. Right. So. Um, Frank Gans coached uh, two years, 87 and 88. He was 8-22 and, 20, and 1. Okay. He was a Navy I mean, man. He, Navy man. He didn't know what to do landlocked in the middle of, of Missouri. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> Get on the Columbia River. Um, so 1990, like the last days of Ditka. So there's one thing that I always think about when I think about Bears Chiefs. I know it happened in early December. And then there's one fact that we've talked about a number of times, and it's kind of a funny event because you don't see it every day. But uh, for the entire rookie season of this player's uh, the, the entire length of this rookie season, we were waiting for him to throw that electricity. And finally, when the chiefs came to soldier oh, yeah. field for another, for, for another bears team sputtering down the stretch, uh, Johnny Bailey, not only finally returned a punt, but it's really dumb. When you think about it, returning 95 yard punt, which I believe is still the longest in bears history, or was it, did it recently get passed? And I can't remember. I should look that up because I got the Bears media guy. Considering you're not supposed to return a punt from inside the five, uh, and he Correct. did get yelled at by Ditka for it. That's all I remember about that. And I also said that Marty Schottenheimer finally made the Chiefs like relevant because he brought him to the playoffs, 
and he resurrected. Uh, you remember Steve Deberg? He was like a, you know, he was always kind of there as a backup in the in, in a pinch, like uh, you know, with Joe Montana and John Elway. And he got his. Uh, he was like 38 years old in 1990, and took the Chiefs to the playoffs, and then they lost a heartbreaking playoff game uh, in the. I believe 1990 was the first year of the expanded wild card too. So. Okay. Um, Johnny Bailey's 95 yarder. This list is wrong. He's not on it. We got proof. Oh no, there it is. He's on here. Um, He's on here. It's number two in Bears history. Number one was set is? two years ago. And we can't even remember it. How sad is that? Was, I'm looking at the media. The, you'll remember the game. Um, it was the ridiculous. Um, Packer game at towards the end of the Matt Nagy regime when um, the Bears scored like 28 points in the first half but gave up oh yeah 35 or whatever and Nagy and his in his halftime were talked about how much fun they were having Jakeem Grant had a 97 yarder Johnny's was uh, 95 yards was second this is quite a list uh Dennis McKinnon the Johnny only broke the record by a yard. Dennis McKinnon had a 94-yarder in 87. Uh, Glenn Milburn had a 93-yarder in 98. The great, your favorite, as a kid growing up, Ray McLean had an 89-yarder in 1942. And the the picture, he's really chugging. It looks like his pants are falling down. Probably were. As was the style at the time. Devin Hester had an 89-yarder against the Seahawks. In 2010, Devin had Devin. an 89 yarder against <laughs> the Vikings. There we go. Oh, that was yeah, now, now, that, now that you're outside the 20 yard line, now you're going to see a whole bunch of Devin Hester uh, returns because smart enough not to field them at the five. So, Devin, 89 yarder against the Vikings. How about this? Jeff Fisher. Ooh. An 88 yarder. Caught it to 12. Against the Bucks. Gale Sayers, 85 yards. Was that in the sixth touchdown game? Against, no, against the Packers. Oh, you're oh, right. Oh, okay. No, wait a minute. Return, wait a minute. No, it's 49 oh, I see. I'm, Larry Mayer's writing the damn captions. 56 years to the day before Grant's 97-yard return, Sayers returned upon 85 yards during his NFL record-tying six-touchdown game in the 16-20 yeah. route of the Niners. You were right. Yeah. Uh, and then number 10, Devin Hester again, 84 yards sure. against the Packers. And that would have been his very first touchdown in the NFL. That was oh, the 26 to nothing shutout. Yeah, first time the Packers were shut out at opening day at home. So, we, you know, we did that. Um, the team grant. I, I, I memory hold it, and I'm not going to apologize for it because fuck I, me, I remember Nagy. when I saw it. When I saw it on this list. Yeah, but I, I still, I, I, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'll tell you everything that happened in the 80s and 90s in the aughts, but I can't even tell you them two years ago because fuck that. <laughs> in my mind. And it happened in the Johnny Bailey will turn the game off. Yes. Yes. And like I said, it was like a late season. You know, it was like it would have become an all too familiar trend where the Bears would always start off hot and then they were, you know, the Chiefs were good, but they came in a soldier field. The Bears, that's the only like offense they have is Johnny Bailey running through 11 Chiefs for a touchdown. 
Um, and then we would kind of enter this dark age where the Chiefs were always kind of good in the 90s, but they never broke through, right? Remember? Because they had, like, even after Schottenheimer, I can't even tell you who was coaching them throughout the 90s. Maybe it was Schottenheimer. But remember, they had, like, brought, they had Derek Thomas. And then who was the other? Derek Thomas is the guy that died. Who was the other awesome defensive player they had? I can't remember Neil now. Smith. Neil Smith, exactly. And I remember when they played in 96. Did they play 93? Yes, 93, I remember. I remember watching that game from the uh, right side of the bar at the Crystal Pistol in the Kelm. Did Percy Snow play on the 93 Bears? I want to say uh, the Bears got like a turnover late in or deep in the cheat. That game was at Arrowhead. And then this is a, a Bears team that missed the playoffs but was alive. They were in a stretch of kind of exciting games uh, where they lost some tough ones and they pulled this one out. And I think they had Tim Worley in the backfield too, for that matter. But I like late in the game, there was like, uh, I, I want to say, I might be, I don't even want to say Percy Snow because I might be totally like wrong and dating it. Like got a turnover and that high powered Bears off, well, 93. Jim Harbaugh would have been the quarterback. Somehow the Bears pulled out some weird, ugly, unlikely game against the Chiefs. Wani, Wani, Chiefs. Was, Wani was a coach. Now, yeah, no, that's all you have to say. Gonna, I'm sure he'll. Right. Uh, I would. I keep waiting. I'm sure he'll be named Bears defensive coordinator here in a couple of days. Right. Can't wait. In, I'll be just, just yeah. the interim. That'd be great. Uh, they were uh, no Percy Snow on the no Percy Snow on the stat sheet, but Tim Worley did have a 25 yard touchdown run for the Bears. Okay. Okay. Were there any turnovers? Number 38. The only yeah, turn, I, um, I don't believe there were. Let's see. The Bears didn't get any turnovers. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Okay. No, that's not right. Dave Craig threw a pick. Who did he throw it to? Uh, interception. Yes. That's right. Dave Craig was the Chiefs quarterback briefly. Jeremy Lincoln. Uh, okay. Somehow I thought Percy Snow might have been involved in the play. Uh, but uh, the, Neil Anderson had a the, fumble return. Wonder okay. Also have okay. A fumble. Uh, very unlikely victory too. The Bears were four and five, and the Chiefs were seven and two. And the Chiefs would finish eleven and five. Um, but yeah, you're right because we had won that. Yeah, the Bears won it on a Neil Anderson one yard rush. Kevin Butler made the extra point. The Bears win nineteen seventeen. Yeah, so the Bears rushed for one hundred eighty-five yards, led by Neil Anderson. No, led by Tim Worley with fifty-nine yards. Jim Harbaugh had fifty-six, and then Neil. 59. Okay. Uh, another great, uh, oh, just all the stars on the stat sheet. Worley, Ironhead Hayward, six, six oh, carries for 18 yards. Moment of silence. Robert Green he was a- had a carry for 10 yards. Keith Jennings, two for 24 catches. Tom Waddle caught three for 19. Terry Obi caught one for nine. Chris Gedney, I'm sure lacerated something, caught one yep. for five. Is this the one where he ran into the goalpost? And uh, Curtis uh, That Conway, was against Buffalo in 94. Seaway held to one catch for four yards. Yeah, he was a rookie, right? Ninety-three. Dave Craig, fourteen um, of twenty. This is pre-bear Dave Craig, fourteen of twenty. It was one hundred and fifty-seven yards. Ran twice for minus four yards. Got sacked five times for thirty-eight yards. He could not have been their quarterback that year. He was. They were eleven and five. Maybe he was. I mean, he did lead the Seahawks to, to some playoffs. And actually, was he the quarterback when they faced the Chiefs the next time? Because he was the Bears' quarterback in ninety-six when. Yeah. Uh, Fucking uh, Kramer got hurt, and they didn't have Walsh anymore. What I remember about 96 was that was the year that the pieces were supposed to be in place for one stats bears. All the um, all the places are in pieces. Yeah, and that 
uh, I just remember like watching this game in my apartment because the Chiefs were really good. I feel like in '96, in '90, and that '92. So the year before, Craig had uh, played all 16 games. So the Chiefs were 10 and six. He led the NFL in yards per completion. Uh, he only made five starts though in '93. Who was there? Was it? Uh, who was there? Oh, who oh, it was Joe? Oh, that's right. They Joe didn't have Montana. Was, Joe was, was eight and three. The year. Bears managed to dodge Joe Montana, and that's how they ended up winning. Well, duh, the Chiefs actually went to the title game that year. Montana yeah. took them there, and then they lost to uh, the Bills again. They, they, he, Montana beat Buddy Ryan one more time in the Astrodome that year. That was a really good Chiefs. So it's a really inexplicable victory, which was the, the only kind you can ascribe to Dave Wanstead's uh, success as inexplicable victories. Um, the Bears, I think, what, nine and seven, seven and nine, whatever. Um, but yeah, unlikely win. We'll take it. But yeah, by 96, I just remember that it was on CBS because CBS was the home ABC. Yeah. I just remember like fearing that the Bears were about to get blown off the field at any moment. I don't remember how the game turned out, but it, it, it was kinda, still Lonnie and still Marty. Yeah. It was a noon kickoff in Arrowhead, and the Bears did not get blown off the field. Uh, it was this halftime score was 14 to 10, Kansas City. And that's how it finished. Oh, it stayed that way. Exciting okay. second yeah. half of nothing. The All ultraback right. had a touchdown run. Um, great Jeff Jager, good old number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a 49-yarder, and that was it. Nobody did anything in the second half. They just stumbled around on the field for an hour and a half, and everybody went home. The Bears hung in there. I felt like, though, um, they just, yeah, it was um, – it's a weird thing because that was a season we had high expectations and it was early enough where we, you know, they're just, it felt like they're getting outclassed. It was Dave Craig, 21 of 36, 232 yards for the bears. Against yeah. Steve Bono. Oh, another okay. former, former Niner playing quarterback for yes. along with DeBerg and Montana and Bono. El- Elvis Gerbeck. Yep. Elvis Gerbeck for the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? So I can the uniforms look similar. Looking at it, I can, guys like them. I can tell you, I can tell you the next time uh, that they faced because it was opening day. I was very excited. It was a new era. We finally got rid of Dave Wanstead, and we hire um, the very uh, you know, a little bit schoolmarmish Dick Duran. I always liked Dick Duran. Excited, but about he brought Durant? it. No, I wasn't. But I was oh. excited about his offensive coordinator, oh, Gary Croton. Right. Gary Croton and the. And, the, and there was a very, very, very. Now, I think. This is this sounds this sounds totally apocryphal, but there was a very, 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 very brief moment in time where the Bears had gotten the attention of the league for their offense, and it was this very first game. They didn't score a lot of points. They were alternating quarterbacks. Shane Matthews had come back after five years of you know uh, of being a fourth string quarterback, and their first round draft pick, Cade McNown, was getting snaps. Both of them, I want to say, threw touchdown passes in this game. But what? was introduced in this game via Gary Croton and his quarterback's coach, John Shoup, future offensive coordinator, was the wide receiver screen, which didn't really exist before. And as I like to joke that the Bears sort of reintroduced this play in 1999, and within four years they were the only team that didn't know how to use it. And that's still true. Uh, But early on they were the only team that used it, and they confounded the Chiefs had a brand-new coach because I think Marty was gone, and they elevated his defensive coordinator, this curmudgeon, this curmudgeonly, just acerbic, old-school Gunther Cunningham. And this motherfucker was so frothing at the mouth 
with these rinky-dink high school plays that the Bears were calling. Like, everyone on the score, like Boars and Birds, who were ripping on Hunter Cunningham. And we were we were flying high, uh, Andy, after the uh, season opener in 99, thinking we'd finally, uh, you know, for once, for the first time since we invented the T formation, we're at the forefront of offensive innovation. It lasted about two weeks, and uh, then we went back to what we have. 11 Bears caught passes in this game. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be a team record. There's no way that's not a team record. Um, <laughs> and it's a it's a list. It's another just, it's a who's who. It's a Hall of Fame list. Can we guess? Marty Booker had to be, right? Macy no. Brooks catch one? Yep. No? Neither. Macy My Brooks two guess two. Macy. Okay. Uh, Jesus Christ. There's no way. I mean, obviously the running backs, I mean, I don't even know who they were. Is Curtis Enos still there? Yes. Ran for wow, ran 22 he, 10, 64 yards, caught five passes for 69 yards and a touchdown from Shane Matthews. Um, that was the Curtis Enos day. It was Glenn Milburn caught day. one for eight. Bobby Ingram caught six for 53. Curtis Conway was still there, caught nine for 88. Marcus Robinson, four for 47. Is this his NFL day butt? Uh-huh. Uh, Probably. He had to be. No, he'd been there Absolutely. He played three but, games in oh, 98. Okay, fine. But he ended up with like 1,400 yards that year, yeah. which is like yeah, pretty insane. Macy Brooks, two for 28. Ryan Wet Knight, two for 25. Super, mm. the great fullback. Ty Halleck, one for three. Uh, oh, no, only nine Jeez. caught passes. Two more were targeted. John Allred, one for one, and a touchdown. Made a count. Also from Shane. Uh, unfortunately, Kate didn't throw a touchdown pass. And Alonzo Mays and Edgar Bennett both got targeted but didn't catch a pass. Um, okay. Shane, who probably didn't throw the ball more than three yards in the air on any pass. Couldn't, couldn't throw the ball more than three yards. Was 25 of 38 for 245 yards and two touchdowns. Cade mm. was 6 of 9 for 77. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were flying high. And then, like, Mike Holmgren, who was on the rules committee, was, like, starting to, like, plant in people's heads. Maybe what they're doing is illegal, you know, for their week two matchup and then – um, they got stymied, and then, like I said, it was it was just short lived. But the Chiefs were the opponent. Uh, the Bears kicker that day is a guy I don't remember. Uh, it's not Chris Bonial. Uh, you remember Chris Bonial? I, I don't oh. mean for you to launch into when he kicked seven field goals. Yeah, everybody can, the listeners can all <laughs> recite that story by now. Brian Goins from Northwestern. He only no. kicked in two games. He was four for six. So they went into the who, season uh, with that. Who, who was the regular kicker after that? Took over. Um, was somebody hurt? Maybe we're still, a little hammy? We're, we're still a few years before so Robbie Gold. It was. Oh, they had, uh, they had oh, yeah. four kickers that year. Bonyal, as yep. uh, Pat Summerall liked to say. Jeff Jager, who had been there three years before, right? Didn't we? It was the last yeah. Chiefs game. Brian Goins and Jarrett yeah. Holmes. Nope, don't remember. Sorry. Uh, was two for two. He never missed an NFL kick. That a boy. And then the punter, of course, was the great Todd Sauerbrunn. Still had Sauerbrunn in 90, uh, 99. Okay. So realignment then with, uh, let's see here, with uh, after the 2001 season meant that they were no longer going to play every three years, but every four years. And I believe it would begin in 2003. And that would actually be, unless you wanted to hit up. I was going to say, have we ever done this? It feels like it's something we've done. Did we ever 
Do we ever look for guys who got drafted after Todd Sauerbrunn? <laughs> Todd Sauerbrunn, for those of you who might not know, a second-round draft pick punter by the Bears. Yeah. The yeah. 56th overall pick. Guys taken yeah. after him include uh, Patriots multiple-time uh, Super Bowl. No, I don't think maybe did. I probably only played in the one they lost uh, with Purcell's 10 Andre Johnson. Brown? Oh, yeah. Cordell Stewart went number 60 for future. The Bears righted that wrong. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, okay, there's a Hall of Famer picked uh, 18 picks after him. Curtis Martin wouldn't help the Bears. Yeah. And it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, look who's in charge. Eh, maybe it's a good pick. It wasn't. I mean, it's also the same draft that they picked Pat Riley. I mean, not a banner day. I None of those drafts were banner hey, days. Pat Riley won really, nine yeah. titles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, ten. I think. I think one is a player, and then nine is. Oh, not that Pat Riley. This was the Pat Riley no. they drafted, who uh, had a torn ACL. Yes. And Wani was like, "Oh, he's a tremendous value because he's hurt. He would have gone right. a lot higher." No, he wouldn't have. That's <laughs> really it's um, Curtis Martin is the guy they should have picked instead of uh, Todd Sauerbrunn. Oh, would have been nice because they drafted Salam already. See, they didn't have to draft Curtis Martin. They drafted Salam in the same draft. So up yours, Andy. This is when uh, the '99. This is the uh, era when Pro Football Reference can't list a general manager on the sheet. So they have this is what they write: Vice President of Personnel slash De facto General Manager Mark Halley. That's literally what they write. Yeah, how embarrassing! And not the only Gary operate. Croton, not only a tremendous uh, coordinator, but his counterpart on the defense putting bullets in people's lockers. Greg Blash. Greg Blash. In '99, yeah, he was still there in '01. Greg enjoyed some success. Of course, Croton was gone, went back to BYU, and Shoup was their coordinator when they actually made a hiccup of a playoff appearance in 01. So, but when they faced the Chiefs again, the leagues had realigned. The Bears had another quarterback named Rex Grossman, uh, who was making his third NFL start. He looked really good. I was at Grossman's first game against the Skins a couple years earlier against his former college coach, Steve Spurrier's Redskins. It looked really good. You could tell, wow. Guy's got a pretty good arm for a short fat guy. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't all I remember about the Chiefs Bears game in 03 is the last game of the season. The Bears were packing it in and Grossman got hurt in the game. And it didn't matter because the season was over. That's all I got. But the next time they played, the Bears were the defending conference champions. The What's that? Pro football reference does not want to load that box score for me. They do not want me to see Rex's brilliance. We're going to have to try this again here. Oh, well, I don't think it was brilliant. His first two games were impressive, oh. but, yeah, he got hurt. I don't know what else would have happened. All I remember with that game was uh, I was in Michigan driving around. I was in Holland, and I couldn't get a beer because it was Sunday, but I could get a Jack and Coke. <laughs> Let's see. Here. We got it. Oh, uh, Rex was merely one of three quarterbacks to play yeah. for the Bears that day. Oh, uh, two th- this is 2003. So Cordell, the aforementioned, yep. no? Or, yes, Cordell, right. ultraback. And no, the guy no was guesses. actually pretty good for the Bears in one season, but his concussion history caught up with him. Chris, Crystal Chandler? Chris Chandler, yep. Mm. He started, apparently. He was and then, uh, and that- Chandler threw for 81 yards, Cordell threw for 86, and Rex was 6 of 10 for 31 yards. He was sacked once and lost 18 yards. <laughs> Oof. An 18-yard sack. 
That would also be the last game of Dick Duran's career. Uh, Lovey would be there the next year. He'd bring in Terry. He'd bring in Terry Shea. Sorry. I don't blame the Bears for firing Duran when he couldn't get any. How do you not win a lot of games with this skill position core? You had the A train, Anthony Thomas, uh, Robbie Abdullah, Bobby Wade, David Terrell, Marty Booker, good player, Des Clark, who was there forever. Stanley Chris Pritchett Clark, yeah. and Ahmad Merritt. I mean, come on. How do you not? How are you not averaging forty points a game with that bunch? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dick. You deserve to get whacked. Well, and right, and that I don't even know who his OC would have been in that last season. Maybe still Shoop went down with the ship. I just know that uh, you know Perry Shea, I believe, came from Kansas City. The night after this season. Um. And uh, <laughs> that didn't work out. Yeah, the offensive coordinator in his last season was uh, was John Shoup. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Shoup so gets offensive coordinator in 04 uh, was Terry Shea. And, he, of course, he brought right. brought his own superstar quarterback with him. Jonathan Quinn. That's Quinn, right. The greatest. We've we've chronicled the great. That's the Kansas City connection yeah. because that's where they both came from. When have the Bears ever gone wrong going higher in Kansas City uh, offensive coordinator? Uh they're going to keep doing it till they get it right. Just like Matt Millen and wide receivers. All right. So what was the next matchup? Oh, seven. Yeah. So the, I was at this game. Bears were defending conference champions. Grossman was the echo. So one of the few were growing, you know, a few opener? periods yep. of time were the same quarterback. That the whole flag was on the over. field. All the good stuff. Yep. 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 Uh, nothing to recall here. The Bears won. Hester, did Hester return a, a, a punt for a touchdown? I thought he might have. That's all I can remember. Seventy three yards. Yeah. Okay, so I did get to see Devin Hester. Bears got up seventeen to nothing touchdown. and um, ended up winning twenty to ten. Okay. John St. Clair, two yard pass from Rex. Devin seventy three yard uh punt return and Robbie Gold made a forty seven yard field goal. I I just realized what Bears the next were twelve game is. point favorites. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Just like they How were twelve point dogs the, last week. The coach of the Chiefs? Uh, in, in 2000, uh, 20, 2007? Hello! different meal? Hello! You play <laughs> to win the game. Herm Edwards. Oh, so Vermeil had come and gone. Remember Dick Vermeil was the so coach the of the Chiefs, too? So the Bears just deleted the Dick Vermeil era in Kansas. I guess so. Chris was like two because, years, right? Easy to explain. Yeah. Yeah, they were okay. A lot um, of crying. Okay. You yeah. know, yeah. I guarantee you, Peanut Tillman could have made Dick Vermeil cry. If he made the flus cry, imagine what he'd do to Vermeil. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, that was a good team I, for Kansas City. Their quarterbacks were uh, Damon Heward and Brody Croyle. You know what's worse? Their quarterbacks in 2011 were even worse, and they beat the Bears. And it was a Bears team that should have absolutely gone to the conference title game again for the second straight year had Jay Cutler stayed healthy. This game drives me crazy. There are so many games in 2011. Oh, this is this is this game probably more than any other. There's this game and the Raiders game. No, not the Raiders game. Sorry, the Broncos game when moment of silence. Marion Barber ran out of bounds. That streak when Cutler was like playing like an MVP, and then he got hurt. They had that string of AFC West teams, and they played the Chargers. Which injury was this? This was that was the time he got hurt tackling the guy in the interception, right? I think so. Yeah. Thumb. Uh, Maybe I don't know. 
I just know that he was like the Bears had like out of nowhere gone to the title game the year before Jay got hurt and Jay was playing like an MVP and they beat the Chargers and Phillip Rivers really good game like you know we're getting to November and then he gets hurt but it's like oh okay the Bears had a cushion and then we're going to go through these AFC West teams that all suck at this point now the Chiefs were not good that year neither were the Raiders or the Broncos but they lost the first game of the Raiders fine you can lose one you should take the next two and so, I don't know if it was the Chiefs was the next one the, or, or the Broncos, but the Chiefs one was, I just remember watching at my dad's house, and it was like, Tyler Palco was the quarterback, and they couldn't do shit. And the Bears couldn't do shit, because Caleb Haney sucked, and the Bears, you know, they, they were just, a, this is a team that was like 7-2 and two at one point, and they can't move, and they're getting into this taffy pole, and then right before the fucking half, or at one point, Kyle Orton comes, the whole thing was like weird, and like, you wanted to laugh, but you knew it might be like bad mojo to laugh, because we knew we were better than the Chiefs. Chiefs are not good. Kyle Orton comes in, and we're like, oh my god, this is after we let go of him, and he'd gone, you know, to, mm-hmm. to Denver, and you know, had a 4-0 start, and then he, this and that, and now he's the Chiefs, and he comes in on his very first pass, he gets rushed, and he like breaks his hand, he hits his hand on a guy's helmet, comes right back out. Oh, we got to put the shitty power up. They, they were, it was just the whole thing was like a, a the bad football, but right before halftime, fucking Palco throws up a Hail Mary, Erlacher, shame on him, he was in the end zone. And the Chiefs caught it. And it was like, and the Bears could not score. The other thing that happened in this game, it's not in the box score. This is why I will go to my grave swearing Roy Williams' name. Not Roy Williams, the defensive back. Roy Williams, the shitty-ass receiver, who was one of the many aforementioned Matt Millen wasted first-round draft picks out of Detroit. The one time he's with the Bears, Haney, in a very brief moment of competence in this fucking game against a far inferior opponent the Bears should have walked away with. Finally, like, strings together a handful of plays and gets them inside the 10. And he throws a pass to Williams at, like, the 1. And not only does that motherfucker not catch it, but he bats it up into the air, and the Chiefs intercept it in the end zone, not even at the 1. And they end up losing that like, just a game that just fumbled, even with Haney. Like they had no this is why I was like, Lovey, I don't know, man. Um, it was not a good Chiefs team. It was an otherwise very good Bears team that just didn't have a quarterback and you know, probably not the best coach, but one of the, one of just the more painful regular season games I remember watching. Final play of the game was the Bears had the ball first and ten on their own twenty, six seconds to go. And Haney, um, I mean, he, he went to his the best player exactly. on the team, like, threw incomplete intended for Sam Hurd, got intercepted by <laughs> Javier Arenas at the at the Kansas City thirty four. So that's a long pass for Caleb threw from the twenty to the third from the, his own twenty to their thirty four. Yeah, right. the creepy mustache. Okay. Wow, I'm trying to work. Yeah, there it is. So six thirty one to track. go in the fourth quarter. Haney yeah. completes a nine yard pass to Devin Hester. Haney completes a five yard pass to Earl. Bennett. Haney completes a five-yard, 15-yard pass to Johnny Knox. Haney completes a pass to Johnny Knox for 17 yards. First and 10 at the 13. Pass incomplete. Short middle and 10 for Roy Williams intercepted by John McCraw. Yeah. Uh, So it wasn't first and goal, but they were down there for the first time. Just killed him. Like, he he was open. It hit him in the hand. Like, he wasn't deflected. He was the only person responsible for batting the ball up in the air. But not only does he not catch it, but he leads it to an interception that wasn't even at the one. It was like everything that you just could not afford to have there. That's why I will curse that guy's name till the day I die. 
Yeah, so that um, the Hail Mary uh, from Tyler Palco to Dexter McCluster. And that was the one that uh, Chris Conti batted back into the field of play instead of out of the end zone. And That's it. The good. Cluster no, caught it at like the two and walked in with it. It's like it was the literally. It was there was no time left. It was the it was literally a hail mary at the end of the half. You're not yes. gonna. What are you gonna you you know you're gonna run it back 99 yards? No, just bat it into the fucking stands. He hit it back into the field if, right at a chief. As as if I needed another reason to hate Chris Conti. Let me tell you something. Ryan Dempster shows his face around town, even though we both have documented that in two separate seasons, his dumbass pitched the Cubs out of the playoffs. Honestly, the Bears they should, they should the activate him for the end of this one. It'd be, the Bears missed the, the playoffs. In, the Bears missed the playoffs in 2011 would basically boil down to one game. They win this game, they, they're probably in. And then in 2013, Conti can't cover Aaron Rodgers, whatever, whoever. Ah, or, right? Was that the? Or yeah, am, I, am, I, am I conflating? In, whatever. But he was, was playing Conte, though, that, man. Their best was playing zone, and Cobb ran right by him. And so, just like Ryan Dempster, Oops. Chris Conte is personally responsible for driving the Bears out of the playoffs two separate seasons. So, good, Glenry. Thanks for uh, thanks for like that fi- that finishing stroke by bringing in Chris Conte. I, all I remember was that they completed a hail mary. Yep. And they, they otherwise could not move the ball the entire day, and that Hail Mary proved to be the difference in the game. So thanks, Chris Conte. Um, 2015, the maybe the highlight of the John Fox era. They Bears win. go to KC against Andy Reid's Chiefs. Beat them 18-17. Okay. Um, guess who was kicking I, for the Chiefs that day? How do you lose with this guy kicking for you? Cairo Santos. Oh, our future friend. Talk about our, talk about ships passing a night. Robbie Gold kicking for the Bears. Cairo Santos yes. kicking for the Chiefs. Well, and you pointed out Cairo did kick for John Fox. It must have been 2017, right? Yes, he kicked in Fox's final season and he got he, hurt. He called it and he had called he, him Carlos. Carlos Santos. Yeah, Carlos Santos. And had he not gotten hurt, he would they would not have. Um, Signed little Cody Parkey, and Cairo wouldn't. Boy, have, this thing. Cairo wouldn't have hit the fucking. It would have been no double doink. He'd have drilled it, and you're on to L.A. to play the Rams. This thing just gets worse. Yep. Which brings us to 2019, I guess. Oh, we didn't really talk about 2015. 2015. I know you didn't. Well, you didn't watch it. No, but I, I have I have no recollection. I blacked out during the John Fox era. I don't know. I don't know anything. Oh come on! You don't remember Jaquiz Rogers? No, that name just, Mark just sounds gross. Williams, Cam Meredith. No. Cam Martell, Meredith. Bennett, Josh Bellamy, Kari Lee, Mark Mariani, Zach Miller, and Jeremy Langford. Martellus. Yeah. They Martellus, all carried the ball for the Bears. Martellus, Martellus, the ball for the Bears. Martellus I have found out, like, he, he would be our vestige of that brief period where the Bears, you know, could have almost gone to the Super Bowl, right? 2013. Yeah. I'll be not as far back as 2010, but okay. He was 26 of 45, 252 yards, and two touchdowns. Hmm. Going up against Alex Smith. 16 to 30, 181, a touchdown. Um, okay. This was this was Andy Reid rebuilding the Chiefs. They were, yes. They were not good. Yes. They would finish that season. What? Let's see. Oh well, my God! How about this? No, they, that loss. They went to the playoffs. The next yeah, that year. loss made them one and four, and they went eleven and okay. five. They went ten of their last eleven. Yeah. Wow. Well. Because the, the team the next year was the team that was the playoffs for no, Matt Nagy got the job. This? 
How about this? Uh, they lost the next week to the Vikings. They were one and five. They oh. won ten in a row. And went the to the uh, they won their wild card game against the Texans and then lost in the divisional against uh, twenty-seven to twenty to the Patriots. And the Bears, beat of course. Them. Yeah, just like in '93 when Joe Montana led that team to the conference title game. So the the Chiefs that year won their first game against the Texans. Then they lost to the Broncos, the Packers, the Bengals, the Bears, and the Vikings. So they lost to three oh. of the four NFC North teams and still won a playoff game. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Of course, they had Matt Nagy on the staff. So how can you how can you go wrong? Good point. Although in 2015, Doug Peterson was their OC, I see. But, you know, right, that he would Matt flee. Was glorified quarterback, ball washer, yeah. real estate, and whatever. <laughs> and actually, Brad Childress was their coordinator. I'm just flipping through. Was their coordinator in 2016. They didn't even promote Nagy when uh, Peterson got the Eagles job. They're like, he never was their coordinator, was he? Because he went from quarterback's coach to the Bears, right? No. No, he, he got to. He was the coordinator that year. last year, but he. Um, yeah. He didn't call the plays until the end of the season, and Andy finally right. gave it to him. And then, of course, his yeah. what he's most remembered for was yeah. they blew that huge lead in the playoffs to the Titans when, with the big lead, he refused to run the ball. And yeah. Marcus Mariota led a comeback in, in the last game. Ah. Um, well, it's just a chief fact. Let's see. So now we go to the last time these teams played. Yes, and Matt and Nagy, I was at. The, yes, is the Bears coach is the coach against his I, uh, old mentor Andy Reid. Yep, and so I was at this game, and this is my will always be my impression because let's put this into some context here. This is the last time the Bears and Chiefs. First of all, let's put it in this context historical. When the Bears and Chiefs kicked off at that time, you could honestly say historically, like regardless of if however long before you lived. Let's just put it to 1960. So from 1960 when the Chiefs began, even then, even without counting the Bears' glory years of the 40s, which is pretty much what we, we hang our head on when we talk about the Bears' <laughs> franchise. Uh, but even then, from 1960 to 2019, you could not say, I don't think you could, I don't feel you could say that the Chiefs were any better of a franchise than the Bears, as bad as the Bears were. Both yeah. teams had been to been to two um, and one and one. went one and one. I'm gonna say, and I should get this in here because it's technically true, and I love being over officious like Marv Levy would hate me for. Uh, the Chiefs, when the Bears played them, had never won an NFL championship. They had won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl four, but before the leagues had not merged. Conversely, the laughable Minnesota Vikings, who have never won a Super Bowl, have actually won an NFL championship. It just so happens that they embarrassed the NFL by losing to the Chiefs in the last ever pre-merger Super Bowl. That was the Chiefs' second Super Bowl. Both of them were as AFL teams. So they'd never actually been to the Super Bowl as an NFL team uh, and whatnot. So you, you could almost say, yeah, the Bears are no worse than the Chiefs. Now, you can't say that anymore because the Chiefs have since been to three Super Bowls, one, two. But also what you could tell it was going to happen by 2019. Because here was the thing for Bears fans in that game in 2019. We all know the story now. The Bears had a top five pick or whatever, and you know Deshaun Watson had his own issues, but they could have selected Pat Mahomes and said they select Trubisky. In the first couple of years, you couldn't really tell 
I mean, you could, but like you didn't think any team was worse for it. By the time these teams met in 2019, the argument was over because Mahomes was on his way to a Super Bowl championship. I'm pretty sure he won the MVP in 2019. He had an incredible year the year before. It was only you know Tom Brady that stopped them from him going to the Super Bowl in his what I guess his second season, right? Because he was a rookie in 17. He was a rookie the same year as Mitch, and yeah, and Mitch was playing for Fox in 17. So Mahomes is a rookie. Nagy's their coordinator. In his very second season, he goes all the way to the title game, doesn't get there because of Brady, wins it all. But so, but a few weeks before he wins it all, they come to Soldier Field. So you know it's going to happen. Like Mahomes is already the argument. The argument is is, is not going to be made anymore for Mitch because at this point, even though Mitch took him to the playoffs the year before, had a statistically good season, it was such a bad 2019 season that you could see the two quarterbacks diverging. They're in better systems. Mahomes is just better. You did not need. Uh, there was no case to be made for for Trubisky. Nevertheless, oh, I don't know. I can, sitting in, nevertheless, I can make a case for Mitch. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, At this point, guys. Patrick Mahomes didn't drive his grandma's Camry, and Patrick Mahomes didn't because uh, the Bears didn't take him out to dinner. Um, yeah. They didn't meet with him other than at the draft, or I mean, other than at the combine. He didn't uh, make reservations under the name James McMahon. Huh? Huh? They got a draft. Good call. Good call. Yeah, so the, yeah. And the Bears actually had the third pick and traded up to the yeah. second pick because they had to get yeah, him. That's what it was. Couldn't, nobody could sneak up and get him. Yeah. Mahomes won MVP in his first year as a starter. So he's, he's reigning MVP when he's in yeah. Soldier Field this and the only okay. and, and, and the only reason he didn't go to the Super Bowl his first year as a starter was because, um, if you remember, the Chiefs intercepted Tom Brady to clinch the game but defensive end Frank Clark had was called offsides, nullified the play. Brady <laughs> took him down, tied the game, and the Chiefs and the Patriots won in overtime. That's some heartbreak. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So right. So he's already there. Like it's not going to happen. There's nothing that was going to happen at this point. But now I remember sitting in my seat and just saying, okay, can we at least? You know, I I know that's not the argument here. Not that it needed to be said. And this is what I watch in my sense. The Bears had the ball first. So I don't know if you're, like, pulling up the football reference. And and what I remember was that the Bears were, like, they were, they were taking three plays every series to get a first down. They were getting first downs, right? So it was like this is the end of a season in which you're like, okay. So there's, like, this tiny germ of optimism. Well, maybe Mitch won't be so bad. So it's like it's just like they were trying so hard. They get the ball through 20, and they're, like, on third and short. Ugh. Oh, we got the first down at our 30. Okay. And then they push it further, right? And they get to the 40. Like, okay, little engine that could. All right, yeah, they got Mahomes. That's okay. Mitch is going to turn around. And then the drive, of course, inevitably stalls across the 50, right? And I was, okay, you know, that's all right, man. And all of a sudden, Mahomes takes the field, and it was like a fucking video. And, I, and the contrast could not have – I'm not trying to even be obnoxious. The contract could not have been more stark. It was like the way he stepped back confidently, six, seven steps, fires at 15 yards down the field, receiver over the middle, catch it. He's been like a third and eight. Oh, oh, my God, third and eight. No, whereas we were like in the third and two, and it's like we're on the edge of our seats and we barely get it. Mahomes is third and eight. Yeah, slightly pressured, oh. throws it for 20 yards. And it was like it, it was like just watching two different sports almost on the side of the ball. And that's my impression Sitting in the stands that yeah. day, not so, that we needed it. Again, the, the, the argument was not going to happen, but it was just could not have been more clear at that. And the Bears' first position, they would convert a third and four, a third and five, a 
failed yeah, on see? a third and 13, punted, then the Chiefs drive, and the uh, Khalil Mack, the the Chiefs had driven into field goal range, and Mahomes got sacked by Mack to set up third and 18. 19 yards pass to Tyreek Hill for a first down. <laughs> and then he ends up, a few plays later, Mahomes runs for a 12-yard touchdown. Yeah, Bears just, three and out. And then, yeah, Chiefs take a field goal. Bears all the way to Kansas City, 43. And yeah. had fourth and seven and punted. Yeah. I got news for you, Matt. You might as well go for it because <laughs> um, it was like watching a race between a Lamborghini. That was another and a long team. drive then that ended with a Travis Kelsey touchdown catch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I misremembered something. Seventeen like nothing Mahomes, at Yeah, Mahomes was not looking a lot of third downs. Of course, why would he be? He was, you know, there was some. But the one that he was in was like the so so illustrative of the the difference. Uh, third and eighteen. Yeah, that's all right. I'm a big boy. Yeah, Chiefs would go. And then since then, the Chiefs have won. You know, too. I mean, they're they're a premier team now because of the quarterback. I, I'm only going to say to that that um, had the Bears drafted Mahomes, I don't think he, as great as he is, would have made a difference. Uh, not to be that cynical, but there's so much wrong with this franchise that. Um, yeah, they did. It, it would not have gone like this. Not they did the Mahomes family a favor by. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and we're you know already on our second quarterback since then, and now even that's questionable. And well, I want you to know, say something. You you made a pretty like pretty definitive thing about how Patrick Mahomes uh, clearly better than Mitch Trubisky. I mean, come on, can we say that? We know this? I mean, let's look at their resumes here. It's pretty close, I think. Patrick Mahomes, five times Pro Bowler, been an All-Pro yep. twice, he's won the Super Bowl twice, been Super Bowl MVP twice. Uh, he's won the Pro-, Pro Football Writers MVP twice. He won the Offensive Player of the Year Award in 2018. Um, he won the Burt Bell Award, whatever that is, in 2018. Mitch Bell. was a, a Pro Bowl alternate, and he, he won the uh, Nickelodeon Most Valuable Player in that playoff loss to the Saints. Is he really? I mean, this is like, it was fan voted. Um, I mean, this it's, it's half a one, half a dozen of one, six of the other. It really is. <laughs> I don't know that we can just definitively say that Patrick Mahomes is better no, than Trubisky yeah, yet. Let's right. let their the careers play out. Is still open. Um, how many picks behind Trubisky was Mahomes taken? I'm just uh, curious. Um, yeah, he was only the 10th okay. pick. Um, mm. Guys picked in between them. Solomon Thomas, the Niners. The Ni- Here's the funny thing about the Niners, right? They've had two Refusing huge draft trades. They got a haul for Mitch, and they did shit with it. None of those guys turned up. Is that right? Yes. Um, they got. They drafted Solomon Thomas. With the third pick, and then they got um, who was the guy they picked from Alabama? Who was like nuts? Went nuts at the combine. Like, he was a really good player, um, but he did not last. He he only lasted one season in the NFL. Um, they screwed that up. I think though they the best thing that came out of that trade, I think, was that I believe I remember this right. I believe they made a trade with the Saints, and the Saints used one of the Bears' picks to pick Alvin Kamara. So the best player of that trade doesn't play for either the Bears or the Niners. And then the Niners completely botched the the draft day trade for um, 
why am I blanking on his um, the quarterback they drafted instead of Fields? Why can't I think of the guy's name? Oh, uh, uh, the guy from last season. What the hell is his name? Um, from South Dakota State or South Dakota, North Dakota, one of the Dakotas. Yeah, all the Dakotas. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. It keeps getting hurt. Oh, f- fuck. Cowboys. Niners trade. He's been scrubbed. Can't even think of it. Trey Lance. Why can't I think of that? Yeah, that's it. Um, they traded uh, all those picks away to get Trey Lance, and then they just traded Trey away for um, a fourth-round pick. And so they screwed those two trades up. And still, they have... Yeah. They have See, the best roster in the NFC. Yeah. Despite completely botching two huge trades, they wow. still worked wow. out. Wow. The Bears kind of live and die on, yeah. on their deals. So now the Bears head in their uh, in complete disarray, for which is just kind of their <laughs> brand. What's the line, 12? 13. Over yeah, it's going up. Probably a record. So the Bears had a 12-point uh, spread in 87, I think you said it was. So, uh, so let's see. The, the Chiefs, who's their all-time leading passer? Good question. Um, Mahomes is going to be it soon. If he's not already. He's not, right? Uh, nope, still the seller wow. guy. It's not Len Dawson, right? It is Len Dawson. Wow. So they're Good a little Bears-like. 20, How many yards? Well, it's not Bears-like. 28,507. Okay, yeah. That's twice as many as touchdowns. That's pretty good, actually. Yes, it is. And I didn't know. Of course, the AFL was very pass-happy. There was a little bit of inflation there, actually. But still, that's 28,000. is ridiculous. That's uh, even in that video game expansion league. Lenny played uh, 14 seasons for the Dallas Texans slash Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, did he not start with Pittsburgh? He did. I thought he did. No. Okay. And he played in 12 games in 1959. Let's see for the okay. Steelers. He, so he, won- he was an actual oh, NFL. I wonder if he was before a he was a- played in 12 games, but he was three for seven passing. <laughs> yeah. I bet, he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I bet he was the holder. Uh, but yeah, he threw for 28,507 yards. Well, I guess that's what that's the record. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty. Years. I mean, Mahomes. Eh. Yeah, Mahomes will knock it's that. It's funny down though. I mean, it's the all-time. That's two thousand yards a season. Hmm. That's, yeah. that's. I mean, that's like current bear-like. Now, back then, <laughs> Lenny would have four times as many yards as any bear. Mahomes is already up to twenty. Holy shit! Mahomes is already twenty-four thousand. He's already almost double uh, what Cutler was for the Bears, right? So if he's a twenty-four, th- like, if he's a twenty-four thousand yards today, he will. He could very well pass Len by the end of the year. He could have by in week 16. Yep. That's true. Or 17. Uh, next one. Uh, right. All-time leading Sorry. rusher. Do you know who that is? He's a more recent vintage. Uh, um, is it Priest Holmes? No, but kind of right. Not too far after Priest. He's very. Oh, good who's player. the other very guy? Underrated. Who's the other? Yeah, who am I thinking? I can't think of it. Just tell me. It's Jamal Charles. Oh yeah, yeah. Seven thousand two hundred sixty yards. So nowhere good near. For him. Bears got him there. Walter, twice as many yards. Correct. Correct. Priest Holmes was like a nondescript Baltimore Raven who all of a sudden blew up with the Chiefs. I remember that, just from a fantasy perspective. Like, now what? He's good now? Their all-time leading receiver is not a wide receiver, and yet. It's, it's not, not Travis it's Kelsey? not embarrassing, and it's not Travis Kelsey. 
but it's not embarrassing. He's a great player, Hall of Famer. Uh, it's a tight end, right? Or is it a running back? It's tight end. Who the fuck? He's a Hall of Fame tight end for the Very Chiefs? handsome. He's a very handsome former tight end who, uh, if you're watching the who, Amazon Prime game, you would have seen him at halftime. Tony Gonzalez. Oh, Jesus Christ. Former Cal oh, basketball course. star. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. UCLA, of course. Yeah, that's right. They had Tony Gonzalez. One of the all-time great tight ends. Yeah, so they've had two sure. of the best, like what? Tight ends. Seven or eight tight ends in history. Tony and Travis. Yes. Up there with the for coach. Sure. Yeah, the and coach John Mackey. And, uh, and Kellen Winslow, the first. Necessarily not Kellen Winslow, and, the second. And Ben Coates, my friend. Yes, Ben Coates. Cannon Sharp. Cap- ben Coates is pretty and good. Cap And Capo, so Ryan Wetnight, John Allred, yeah, James Thornton, Robocop. Robocop, yeah, well, he's a great player. But by the way, how many nicknames uh, do you think is acceptable at Pro Football Reference? I don't Mahomes know. is like at the seven. Holmes I mean, ones, and there's like yeah, seven come of them. on, then don't use any of them. Grim Reaper, nobody calls Showtime, him any of those things. Right, Patrick, Jesus Christ, try harder. Muppet voice is what they ought to call him. Um, yes, thank you. The all-time leading scorer for the Chiefs. Do you know who that is? John Stenerud, right? It's not. Oh, it's a, it's a guy who probably may have actually kicked longer than him. Even though Jan uh, kicked there forever, this guy kicked there for. Who the hell? Oh, who the hell am I not thinking of? This what? guy kicked for him for fourteen years, from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety-three. Creepy little mustache. Oh my God! Why am I? Oh, 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 Nick Lowry. Nick Lowry. Holy crap! Born in Munich. Not even, not even American. It's up there with uh, Chester Markle. Oh. Wow. Yeah, Chester Markle. Uh, wait a second. So Jan, I'm, I want to talk about Jan Stenerud for a minute because is, can we get him out of the Hall of Fame? That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. He's a Hall of Famer, right? He is. He was the first first kicker, right? First one who never like, first kicker you know, who yeah. never didn't play anything else. Yeah, yeah. Unlike and are there Pat others? <laughs> right, who's like right? Exactly. I don't think, being, was I don't think being an announcer and an end and a kicker counts for Pat I, being the first kicker. I, I remember Jan Stenner at the end of his career he kicked for both the Packers and Vikings, and before we knew that he, uh, the Norwegian. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. Whatever. Probably a nice guy. Well, he did make for his career. He did make 21% more of his kicks than John Rivetto did. He made <laughs> 67% right? of his kicks. And oh, 90, for fuck's but sake. He did not make the, he did not make a higher percentage. No, he did. Sorry. He made 96.5% of his extra points. John Rivetto made 95%. Uh, bear in mind, Andy, that for several years, we discovered this, that uh, the extra point was even five yards closer than it is today, or than it was uh, for most of our right, remember it, it was uh, uh, because of the goalpost not yeah. being pushed back. Right, because you could so, kick a uh, Fred Cox. You could kick a one. You could foot. kick a eight-yard field goal. Yes, that's right. Right, because yeah. so, the ball was at the one, but the goal, so were the goalposts were at the end zone. Goalposts right, the right there. The exactly. goal line. We discovered was, we discovered that with, with Fred Cox. The how Vikings, dumb was that? And we, we looked at it. Somebody's like, well, we just put those on the field. It's like it's like tails. It's like the or, gateway uh, to the end zone. It's like a toll booth. You have to run through it. <laughs> it's so dangerous. I always cringe about someone getting paralyzed by just running into it. You know, it's, it's so funny. Stupid. I actually yeah, thought the... of that in the in the Jacksonville game over the weekend. Calvin Ridley went up for a pass and got nailed into the into the uh, stanchion. Yep. Yep. And I was thinking, God, that must have happened fifteen times a game when that thing was at the goal line. 
<laughs> like, why? Whose genius idea was it to put it there? Right. Now this and is yet, fine. Put it here. Right. And it was. And yet, it was an H. So you had twice as many chances to hit it. It wasn't a. Was it, it always? Was, it, was it always an H? By the time they moved it back, and some had gone to a Y. Um. So yeah. So nevertheless, uh, you know, partially buttressed by uh, a five-yard, you know, shorter attempt on uh, extra points about, for many years. Young uh, Center's the Hall of Fame. Great recent great moments in field goal history. The uh, John Greenberg, so the aforementioned John Greenberg, his Ohio Bobcats, him and him and Tom Brenneman and Mike Schmidt and uh, Bob Brenly. Um, they upset Iowa State last week, and there was a controversial. Iowa State had a field goal that would have would have tied the game, and then eventually would have mm. been overtime. Had a field goal called no good, and on the replay, even the announcers are like, "That looks like it was good." Um, Ohio does not have their their poor or poor Mac school. They it's do not have school. the extra long uprights. So, oh, is that right? and a ball you you are not allowed. You cannot review a field goal whether it's good or not if it goes if it's above the uprights. And it was like a foot above the upright, and it certainly looked good. And they were not; they could not replay it, even though on the replay it was clearly <laughs> they clearly made it. Oh my the god! Cheap bastards don't it. have the. I will tell you at Husky Stadium in beautiful DeKalb, got the NFL uprights. They're not. They're oh yeah, they're not. They're not. They're they go all out. I'm not going for good that shit be, like they do down there. And good, good to know that good old Miami, Bingham Ohio Field, is. Bingham Field is still compliant. Like to hear it. Um, right. Well, the last <laughs> thing we need to do is we need to look at the co- the illustrious coaches and. Yeah, well, I, I already unearthed, I already discovered, uh, stumbled across the fact that Hank Stram, their charter coach, he was almost like the Tom Landry of the Chiefs. He was there all the way up until like. The '74 season, I guess, but then it's a lot of flat sand. And uh, I guess my question is: I bet you Marty Schottenheimer has more wins than Hank Stram, only because uh, he was there for a long time. Oh no, 16. that's right. I didn't ask you that. All, yeah, the all-time winningest coach. So you're saying it's Marty? Yes. Is it's it Hank? Hank? It's Hank. 124. Ah, uh, okay. Um, let's see here, though. Who? How many Marty got? Marty had some good teams. They just he did. He was and he was there for a good decade. I feel like just about. Man, he wasn't there that long. Marty was a total bridesmaid because he he took the Browns to two title games and lost. The Chiefs to, he took the Chiefs to a couple. I know. Yeah, he's a ten year hundred one. Hundred one wins in okay. ten years, so he averaged ten. That's good. It's a good run. Twenty three short of Hank. Well, how about this? On a technicality, mm. Marty won more games for the Chiefs than Hank. Because Hank won 27 of his games for the Texans. Dallas Texans, yes. And also, Hank was in the AFL for a lot of that. So you could split hairs there. Yeah. Hank won an AFL title and a Super Bowl. Right, but no NFL championships. Oh, that's what right. saying. Uh, their second coach, uh, who coached for three years, was uh, the great Paul Wigan. Don't and know. then Jerome nope. Bettis' dad, Tom, coached them for, uh, oh, sure. for a year sure. in 1977. Marv yep. was there from 78 to 82. He was 31 and 42. Good run. And then was he replaced by Makovic? Yep, Makovic. No. 30 and 34 in his four seasons with a playoff appearance, a loss. And then and then Frank Gaines takes you to uh, uh, to Marty. Marty. And then Marty takes you to 
two years um, Gunther. Gun- Gunther, and then and then Dick Vermeil, was there longer that... than Dick was there for five years, and the Bears never yeah. faced him. That's so funny. And, and the funny thing about Vermeil, we talked about him before. How he was like John Madden light in that he walked away from football, but unlike Madden, he actually came back after a ridiculously long time. And then they sucked for a couple of years, and then he wins this unlikely Super Bowl with um, Kurt Warner, and then. He gets forced out right after that Super Bowl, so Mike Martz could take over. And then we thought, all right, well, that's a nice second act. You know, you coached a long-ass time ago when Ron Jaworski was your quarterback and Jimmy Carter was president. You're going to enjoy retirement now. And it was always kind of weird, like, oh, no, I guess he's not done. He's going to come back now when he's in his 60s and coach the Chiefs. And it wasn't a disaster. Those were, I think they were, like, decent teams. Yeah, they just didn't really... 44 and 36, they went, they went to the playoffs once and lost. Yeah. Uh, then oh, Herm, that's excellent. Three years of Herm, where they were bad, 15 and 33. <laughs> then the great Todd then, Haley. Oh, was, my God. He was there at least two years longer Haley. than I thought. He was there for three years. 19 and 26. They went to the playoffs, and they lost. He won an AFC West wow. championship. They must have been awful those other two seasons for him to have gone 19 and 26 and yet make the playoffs. And then Romeo Cronell got two years. That was the... Uh, he was the coach during the Tyler Palco game that yeah, also still drives me crazy. The guy shot himself in the parking lot. Oh, right. I think that happened the same season, maybe. Four and That's 15. That's how bad. Yeah. For Romeo. Okay. That's right. And then, and then uh, Andy? So Romeo must have. They fired. Romeo was an interim and then got to be the head coach. They have never had. Oh, never had just Joey an interim. Yes. Tom Bettis. He was an interim. So Romeo, Romeo was the so Joey Alvarado slash Mike Quade than yeah, the they, Bears. They've had one more interim coach than the Bears ever have. Because Romeo actually did a whole series. Things are going the way they have. Bears might get one. Well, right. Because I think George would be like, well, I should have done that to Trustman midseason. I didn't. I'm not going to let that opportunity pass by again if it gets that bad. And then so Andy Reid, 10 years, 117 so, 45. He's twelve and seven in the playoffs, two Super Bowls, three AFC championships, seven he's a Hall AFC of Famer West, now. and they've been to the playoffs in nine of his ten years. And, and actually, I think year is, ten is this year. So I think he made it every year. The funny thing is, my take on this is that Andy Reid. I feel like he was nowhere. He was not a Hall of Fame clo- uh, coach when he showed up at KC. And I swear, this is what the it felt like when he got hired. It it, it was not a very inspiring. Uh, he kind of worn out his welcome in Philly. Like, he was an innovative coach in 99. He had Donovan McNabb. When he took he was a quarterback's coach for Holmgren in Green Bay. And he had a good run. They kept losing. They lost four consecutive uh, conference titles. So he was a good coach. Yeah. Couldn't get over the hump. Uh, took him to the Super Bowl when he got T.O. Uh, when they when they lost uh, one of Brady's Super Brady's third. So yep. I guess that was that Donovan 2004 Nib season. Up in the huddle. Right. And, and but then eventually they became mediocre, right? Like Ditka's, let, you know. And then it was like, well, yeah, Andy Reid, uh, now it's it. You know, he had his his his, you know, he had his chances. And I remember when the when the Chiefs hired him, and the Chiefs were, you know, they're coming off of fucking like you just said, like Romeo Cornell, like the you know, like they were in disarray for a bit in spite of the one playoff appearance. And it almost felt like that's not the guy you want to hire. He's been around ten years. You know, he, he had a long run at Philly. Couldn't do it. That's and then he totally took advantage of a second up. He's a Hall of Fame coach now in the last five years. But I swear to God, the perception of the time was it was not like it was like oh you don't want to hire Andy Reid. You know, that's you know it was just his son killed himself. It was like there was, I don't know, maybe that was before. I just felt like he was not a hot hire, even though he had a little bit of a track record. And then given 
another opportunity has absolutely stood on his success from Philadelphia. Well, his other so. son, um, the week off, the week between the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl, got drunk and from was at the facility, got drunk, got in his car, got in a car accident, and killed somebody. That's right. Yeah, like, there's some fucked up shit going on. Yeah. It was at the Super Bowl in 04 with the Chiefs. Is it even recently? No, it was recently. It was the one. Um, yeah. So he's still. I mean, I think that speaks lost, more effect. He's right to the Niners. No, no, uh, we, to Brady. To yeah, the, during the, co- the, 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 the COVID I Super Bowl. Yeah. So, so he's still, you know, he's still dealing with that. But I just felt like, and maybe that has nothing to do with it. I just, just as a coach, it didn't seem like uh, the Chiefs were really going to turn it around by about, hiring him at the this? time. Considering the run he had in Philly and the run he's had now in Kansas City, can you name the NFL coaches who have more career wins than Andy Reid? Overall, hint, it's not going to take very long. Well, Don Shula and George Halas, and one active, uh, and one Bill Belichick. Yep, that's uh, it. Andy I mean, is tied with Tom Landry for fourth at two hundred and seventy. You got to be shitting wins. me. He passed Tom he's got Landry. More wins than Curly Lambeau, Paul Brown. Chuck Norris and number nine, Marty Schottenheimer, two hundred five. Wow. Where's the coach? Coach is. Yeah, he had, uh, had about a he had about hundred eleven or so. Coach is uh, right 100, behind 100, Marvin 100, Lewis. Hundred twenty. Yeah, hundred twenty seven. Yeah, Marvin Lewis and yeah. more. Many more seasons. Marvin one. Marvin one hundred thirty one. Let's see yeah. well, how many bears we got on this list. We got uh, George Hallis at three. Hallis and Ditka. Then we got, um, got you Abe, might have Lovey. You got Abe, Abe Gibran. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, like we know. got Jeff Fisher at fourteen. We count him. One hundred seventy-eight. Not for the Bears. Uh, no, we can't count him. I guess. Um, how about Sean Payton? Can we count him? No, we can't count him. No. How about Marv? He was a blitz coach, right? Does that count? Lovey's, Lovey's your next. Lovey's your next. Coach John Fox. Ditka. Twenty-eight. John Fox. One forty-one. So there we go. Ditka. <laughs> John Fox. One fourteen. Oh. More games than Mike Ditka. Ditka at 32. Wow. And then there's – oh, there's another one. You know who this is. Well, well, I, mean, I, had, I basically just referenced oh, him. With Jack the, Pardee? Neil no. Armstrong? No. Um, uh, oh, no, no, you're Dave right. Ronset? He won't count. He won't count because he wasn't head coach of the Bears. George Allen. Oh, you you oh, man, we love some George Allen talk. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's right. He, wasn't, he never was head coach. Uh, Lovey is no. 49th. 95. Okay, because Lovey's actually Chico, had three teams. One hundred three. The in the tent. There's a lot of guys Ooh. with bare ties on the list, but what is that? I five head coaches. Hallis. Yes. And with a hundred career, because Lovey has a hundred career, right? Fox. Between... <laughs> Fox. Jesus. Yes. Fox, of course, remains Hallis, the Fox, only Bears coach. Lovey. Fox. Fox is the only Bears coach who was previously a Bears coach. Or previously a football coach, I should say. Ever. Even still, right? The only, right? The, only yeah. the only Bear head coach who ever had experience as a head coach before he coached the Bears. Is that like the old Cubs converse up until Riggleman and uh, Dust? Oh, you never were, got a job the other, after you the the other hand, yeah. Once you were a Cubs coach, you never got one. It's the converse of that. It's the Lots of Bear never coaches got jobs after the Bears got rid of them. They did. The Long NFL, stat, uh, less guys to recycle, I guess. I mean, just to go, everybody except for Neil Armstrong is that. Even Ditka did after Ditka was once that once that coached in Miami and, and University of Pittsburgh. Duran coached Durand in Buffalo and Detroit. Yep. Yeah, he had two stops. Uh, Lovey had two stops. Houston and um, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay first. Tampa. 
and Illinois. And and, and Mark and Mark Trussman, did he go back to Canada? Did he, did he win? He did. He won a Grey Cup. Um, I I we I'm sure he'll still get a job, right? Will Matt Nagy get a Let's job? The NFL. Well, I wonder, that's Yeah, I don't uh, know. We might we might be entering the era where all of a sudden they don't want to hire the Bears coaches after. I don't know. Maybe I am starting. Not that I think anything of Matt Nagy, but the Bears are so fucked up organizationally with all. Maybe Nagy wasn't the problem. No, he wasn't. He was definitely a big part of it. He's a moron. That I'm comfortable. He was. He was a big okay. part of the. He might be part of the current dysfunction still. He fucked things up right. so bad while he was there. Things could have been pointed in a different direction if uh, if he wasn't there. Maybe. No. We'll never know, but at least we'll get a good look at him on the sidelines on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be constant shots of him and the double. I wonder how many times we'll see the double doink. At least once. Just for Matt Nagy's reaction alone. Former Bear Greg Olson's going to be on the call, too. He can, talk about, the... He can wax nostalgic about uh, his good friend Mike Martz. <laughs> Not using him and then getting him traded so that he could yes. go on to his Hall of Fame career with the Panthers. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I think he's borderline as a tight end. He was a really okay. good player. Probably not a Hall of Famer, but a really good player. Would have been nice. He's good analyst. Bears. He is. I know. Player. Yeah. So that's funny. The Bears will have uh, the number one team for two out of the first three weeks. And they're, they're the most. Uh, There's plenty to talk about for those guys yeah. this week. While they, you know, get to also enjoy an afternoon with Pat Mahomes. So, yeah. I don't think they're going to complain. All right. Well, this was a twofer, right? We got, uh, we started with embarrassing moments in Bears history, and then we got the Chiefs, which supplied yeah. a couple of them embarrassing moments, but not quite as bad. And uh, we, yeah, got, I think, we, I, we have to do this again next week because there's another new opponent that we haven't done. We have to do the Denver Broncos. There are some good ones there. You know, that'll be fun. Um, no pain. Hopefully, you know, there is a painful one from 2011. I guess we're gonna to have to revisit all that pain from that Bears team that uh, you know might have might have done something. But get all the good. We had a, a lot of great Bronco quarterbacks beat the Bears, like Tim Tebow and Brock Osweiler. Yeah, well, stuff. you know, Brock Osweiler is famous for being the Bears with three different teams yeah, never, so. and never losing to them. Just like the Bears uh, never could solve the Brock Osweiler riddle. No, I mean they even solved Tom Brady after twenty years. Yep. Couldn't sell Brock, so that was the problem. Brock right, well, didn't give him give him enough shots. They needed another fourteen years to take shots at him before they could be right. Eventually, they'll get it right. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Andy. See you next week. Many of us have herpes. 